Hello and welcome back to Artsy Fartsy Immigrants, episode 82. Hey Mo, how's it going, buddy? Hey ho, buddy. So fine, so good. How are you? I'm all right. I actually, I love that I find the time to be in the office these days. You know, it's like one or two days a week. Like, well, this is the first time it's been two days in a week. So I'm kind of thankful for that. I basically had the option of either doing one full day, like one, you know, longish day or, uh, or two half-ish days. And, um, I think I kind of like that it's two half-ish days because I get to stay fresh when I'm here and it's not like, um, I don't feel that I have to rush and cram everything into one sitting. Um, so I'm very thankful for that. How are you doing? Yeah, I've been good. I'm on the, the last days of my very long vacation. Like I was yeah. off. I'm I was going to ask. All yeah. September. Wake me up when September ends. And that <laughs> Wake is me up. today when this episode comes out. That's, that's my right. last day. Dang, um, dude, that's crazy. That's, a, that's a long break. That's a, that's, a, that's a long break, yeah. And I'm trying to enjoy it the best I can. And so far that worked out pretty good. I was so. actually wrong about your vacation because my mom, you know, she's staying with us right now. And uh, I told her that we... We came back together a couple of weeks ago for the 80th episode. I was like, yeah, I think we're going to try and bring the show back every week now. And she goes, oh, so is, is Mo back from his vacation? <laughs> and I thought she meant, you know, when you traveled out of the country. I just understood ah. it as like, uh, I was like, oh, yeah, he's been back. He's been back. Of course he's back. <laughs> but then, you know, I guess she meant that you had mentioned being off for the month. So, no, so, my mistake, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But dude, so how? So I I wrote you yesterday because we almost recorded yesterday. Um, you were at a birthday party. Yes, sir. How like, was that, it's, man? It's weird. These kind of events come back. Like, um, it was like not a crazy party. It was like a <clears throat> get together of like mm, ten friends or whatever, all yeah. vaccinated. Um, but it was cool. Like, um. This this friend of mine normally his birth her, his birthday always um like falls into the same window as uh, the Oktoberfest and so he always celebrates oh that's awesome celebrates there um i cannot say that i miss that too much <laughs> but no you d- but you, so, you don't miss you don't miss celebrating at Wiesen or what i don't miss Oktoberfest too much actually i realized but that's that's another thing but um so the idea was to like um do a kind of similar thing in terms of he had this this classic bavarian like furniture that you have in a a beer garden or whatever and have a vice versa and stuff like that and it was cool the only um issue (laughs) was that um it it was a tuesday and I'm on my last week of vacation, like I mentioned, but most of my other friends um, still have to work. And the friend who had his birthday also um, had a free day. So we were like meeting at noon. <laughs> nice. And the rest would um, come after after their work. So like between six and eight. <laughs> so by the time they met you, you were just plastered. Uh, that, that's, that, that's the thing. You... Um, it it can be mean if you if you start drinking way earlier than the the rest of the party. 
So wait, you had to, so, oh, so you were being courteous. Like you were there at noon, but you didn't drink that much until six? That didn't work out. <laughs> I, I was going to say, like, how did you hold that? How did you hold that off? I would never have been able to do that. Um, no, but it, it was cool. And it's like, um, I'm kind of enjoying it that um, like things like these work out. And it seems like it's not that you have to worry that much anymore when you do these kinds of events. And we're talking about like meeting like probably 10 people most of the time outdoors. Yeah. Um, but at least, and obviously I would love to have concerts back and also, probably also at some point bigger parties or events, whatever. Sure. Um, yeah. But for me, it's like, at, at least that's a step. So, so like, that's I can, something, at, le yeah. at least I don't have to worry and I can meet a few people and, um, we can have a few beers and have a have a have a good good night. Well, dude, next year I'm I'm scheduled to go to three not only three different weddings, but a trip back to the states. So from I'm really curious how these things will work out. Like, um, yeah, three three different weddings: one in Germany, one in Italy, one in Greece, which Ooh. is like. Dude, hold my beer while I <laughs> sweat over the travel costs. And then um, and then a trip to the States as well. We're supposed to try and manage all of that. And the, the, it's not like the weddings are far apart. It's not like there's one in February, one in July, one in December. It's like, of course, all around late spring, summer pushed yeah. together. So, I, And I'm curious too because um, all of the couples, there's three different couples and they've all... They're all technically married now. Like, but let me ask you one question: Like, do they live in these respective countries, or do do you all travel there together? Traveling together. Okay. So yeah. It's so, like, okay, it's friends from Greece and it's friends from Italy. No, that's the one thing too. I never, I, I never really understood. I mean, I guess like in the movies, you think about like, oh, a destination wedding. But for me, I never really thought about um, dude. Like you came all here. over from the states to marry in Germany. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, but I live here now. You know, they don't live in Italy. I, I thought that was kind of. I mean, I, it's it's a bold move. I think it's cool. It's cool that they want to do that. But I also think it's kind of uh, a bold move because I'm also curious if it'll work out. Like all three couples are officially married, like with a Standesamt, mm -hmm. um, and even one of the couples already had a kind of wedding like there it was last year uh there was you know precautions taken it was like 25 people not a huge event but still it was like a ceremony and performances and speeches and presentations and dancing and music and food and alcohol so for me it was kind of like oh that was a nice like little thing, but still there's another one being scheduled for next year. That's supposed to be like the huge 150 people like extravaganza, which is like, so they get like 150 oof. people all traveling together to Italy or Greece. No, no, this is the one that's sorry. I should have specified this. The one I'm talking about now is the one that will be here in Germany. Okay. But the ones with Italy and Greece, that's difficult. And I understand that that's difficult because both couples are, international couples like mm -hmm. one couple you know them ben and katie they are yeah. one british one american and they're marrying in greece and that's actually where they are still right now i think they had a small honeymoon um and the other couple is um australian and german and they're marrying in italy and i think 
I think these couples are doing an international wedding because they couldn't decide on whose home country to do it in. It's like when, when like at the end of a war and the allies and the enemy meet at neutral ground. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's like they're going to Switzerland to make a deal. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I guess that's, I guess that's the best way to look at it. I, uh, I I didn't, until I just said it out loud, I didn't think like maybe it is the fairest thing for their, because I think it's maybe hard for their families to decide like, well, why don't you come to England? Why don't you come to Australia or whatever? What could have been a compromise for you and and your wife? Like what's the middle? Iceland? Uh, (laughs) Let's see, Germany and America. Uh, maybe yeah maybe the UK is like somewhere in the middle or maybe New York <laughs> maybe New York yeah. but um, since this is an artsy-fartsy immigrant topic was that ever a, a thing you had debates about like where to where to get married or do you want to talk about it at all I, I'm not sure but oh yeah um, sure I mean no it was never really a debate it was always kind of like it, 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 I don't know if we maybe maybe years ago we talked about potentially doing something back in the States. But if we did, it didn't last long. In my recollection, it was always understood that we would do it here. I think it, because, you know, sort of traditionally the father of the bride finances things. And in our case, that made the most sense anyway, um, given their, um, given their financial situation. So I think, um, I think it was never really discussed too much that we wouldn't do it anywhere else. But I think it always made sense that we do it here because I didn't have that many people that needed to fly over. Like, you know, she has, I mean, out of the 150 people or something, I would say 85% of them live in either that town or Munich or close by enough, like furthest away would be Berlin, maybe a couple of people. Um, and the rest, like, you know, my family, a handful of friends flew from New Orleans. That was the biggest, uh, reach, but a lot of them, you know, looped in their own Euro trips anyway. They, they came for the wedding, Mm. but then they would go to Portugal and Spain and and Austria and whatever. Which makes absolute sense. And it's a nice, nice, nice idea. Yeah. And it was in June. So like a summer trip, uh, for an American traveling in Europe, it's like, just like in the movies, you know, they... That's what they really want to do, so it made sense. Yeah, but but I but I yeah I see that this this might be um, a topic to debate about probably as an international couple because I guess everybody sure. wants to have their their family, their loved ones um, at their wedding. Um, yeah, and you so probably, probably have a lot. It of... makes sense to to go for a com- completely other country, and you got to say, like you said, like movie scenario, like you imagine the. The George Clooney at an Italian lago kind of scenario. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Now that I talk about it like in this uh, much detail, I think I actually have more sympathy for that choice than I did when I first thought about it. I think I first thought about it as like, oh man, you're making all your friends travel to a different country. But in the end, it's it's probably really hard for them to to say like, okay, all of your family come to this country or all of mm. your family go to that country. Let's just pick a neutral place that's beautiful. We can all just... We can all travel, so it's all equal. Mm. So, I mean, and I'm sure with their families, um, I know particularly with one of the couples that the family situation is way more complicated than it was with ours. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think wherever we would have decided to get married, um, my family would have been like, yeah, sure, cool. 
you know, and I know that the other f- couples, um, it isn't that Like easy. Madagascar? Sounds awesome, son. Let's do it, man. Always <laughs> wanted to ride an elephant. <laughs> I think it, yeah, it probably would have been, I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe there's no. restrictions. Like if we'd said like, we want to get married in Zanzibar. I mean, that probably would have <laughs> scared my family a little bit because they think anything <laughs> too extreme like that is a little um, scary, understandably. Um, but yeah, no, I can understand that. Uh, oh, and I, I do you because you, I just thought about something I wanted to ask you before I forgot. Um, you mentioned that your friend's birthday usually lies in Wiesen, and since this is the second year in Munich that we don't have Wiesen, what is this thing called? Because here in Munich, I noticed it, I guess, last week or the first weekend that Wiesen would have started. Um, there was, I went for a walk and I noticed a lot of people in. In, in Lederhosen and Diendl and this traditional clothing from Bavaria. And they were all over Munich and you had some people playing like these live little brass bands and these cafes and stuff. So is this like a people's way of celebrating it anyway? Kind, kind of, of, yeah. Do you, is there the, like a like, name for it or is that just an unspoken thing that people do? Like, I'm, I'm not sure whether this is the official name for it, but I've heard it a lot and heard it a lot of like restaurants, um, etc. and bars, cafes um, would participate in this and it's called Wirtshauswiesen. <laughs> Wirtshauswiesen? Yeah, so kind of like bringing the, some, some details of the, the uh, Wiesen like reality to like restaurants, etc. Like they have a, they have a special menu for that two weeks and that special Oktoberfest beer and probably the kind of music you would imagine at Oktoberfest, etc. And, and decoration and so on and so forth. Okay. Have you ever, but you don't, you don't celebrate that or do you, no. do you do that? No. No, I am like, I, I must say like, I'm, I'm not the, the biggest, the biggest fan of it. Um, so why, why a- is that? Why is that? Cause you, <clears throat> cause you come from such uh, and this is with all the respect in the world. You come from a very traditional, uh, like a smaller town that's really into tradition, that's really into tracht, no. that's really into beer. So it surprises me um, to hear that you don't really enjoy that. So is it because you grew up around it so much that you're just kind of like, eh, I'm over it? Or mm, I guess I guess that I had for at a certain age, as a teenager, probably for two or three years, that kind of mindset. But um, it's not like that, and I still like when I come back to Oberstdorf, and sadly, due to Corona, I couldn't attend these events. Like you know, Fischheit, you've been there. Which Have one is that one? Have Like where when the when the when the cattle come down from the oh yeah sure yeah 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 um, like I I I I love going to these kind of traditional events etc. <clears throat> but the like the the Oktoberfest. Given the fact that it's the the biggest um, traditional party in the world with millions of people yeah. um, coming in for Munich each and every year, um, it's just not I, as special to you anymore. No, it's right? like it's like it, it kind of annoys me that a certain kind of vibe that goes goes through the city and the, the certain kind of how this like many of these traditions you know from Bavaria southern. Germany or the Alps or whatever, like are thrown together and sold as a kind of plastic fake form of tradition. 
and it's mostly oh, yeah. about it's mostly about making lots and lots and lots of money because it is such a huge event like there's <laughs> a whole whole you could call it industry behind it there is an absolutely an industry behind um, it yeah and that's the kind of thing and also i don't know i got a lot of issues like every time i've i've been there i was so annoyed especially by men who i don't know <laughs> how to how to put this probably like like i was annoyed by men that um thought it doesn't matter how they behave anymore as soon as they wear a lederhosen and oh, drink yeah. like a few beers there yeah um like they get just so ask, reckless and and ask women about their oktoberfest exactly. experiences there are a lot of um ugly stories and i know that's the thing that's like, true yeah like the the kind of as you call it beer beer like beer tent um atmosphere yeah. kind of parties that i enjoy are rather the smaller ones i know from the area where i grew up mm-hmm. um where you have a whole another vibe and it's it's not the same music it's not that much schlager music etc it's not it's not like people being on the tables all of the time and everybody's um <laughs> it's, it's not forcing this like extremely rambunctious behavior it's more yeah. about res- like respectfully casually yeah it, right yeah exactly and 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 so many other things and like it's super expensive and um it's I, super expensive yeah like I still find find it kind of, or I think it's kind of perverted that you know there's a there's this one hill at Theresienwiese, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. as far as as I know internationally known as kind of the 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 vomit hill. Ooh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I didn't even know that actually. Like, yeah, I've I've seen I've seen international kind of in quotation marks news news reports about that specific hill at the Theresienwiese where people go to. Hmm? Or to have sex or whatever, and it's <laughs> kind of Gross. like faced. Let's go have sex on of... Vomit Hill. <laughs> <laughs> what if we made? Imagine this meme. What if we made out on Vomit Hill? <laughs> oh, come on, baby. It's, uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there's a dry spot in the corner, <laughs> dude. Whatever. Like it does a lot to, to to the people, and I I don't cope with with everything it does to this this uh, city and the people. Plus, what I always had pre COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, like each year, and it's known in Munich as um the 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 Wiesenerkältung, like the, the oh Wiesen yeah yeah flu. yeah that makes like sense yeah every year since I live in this city, no matter if I actually went to Oktoberfest or not, and probably just have been I know on the subway through the city with people from the Oktoberfest yeah. in there. Every year since I live here, around that time or like the week after Oktoberfest over. I get sick. I get a kind of flu. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I, I see that happen to a lot of people. And I think you actually make some really interesting points about why, like, it's it, it was way more nuanced about why you don't like it than I initially thought. And I and I respect that because it's all really good points. I also don't like the Wiesen Ikeatung. I, I also get, like, sniffly and sore throat mm. and stuff around that time. There's all these millions of people, this influx of people, and they're all, like you said, kind of getting you know, quite trashed and yeah. not respecting what I don't like, you know, and I'm not even from here, but I also don't love that part of the industry that comes with it, which incorporates using these plastic sort of t-shirt style versions of Lederhosen in Dindel. That's the next thing we haven't even talked about this, like having yeah. 
um, grown up in an area where we have kind of a, you know, like the Tracht from Oberstdorf. Yeah, oh, like just beautiful, the thick, thick, fine leathers. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like like handmade, like, uh, yeah, pants and shirts. And Handed down, like, by, you know, hundreds of years in some exactly. families. Um, and so it is a special thing, but for reason, like, and it's a weird thing because, it, like, reason is over, um, like, 150 years old or something like that. Yeah, and like the the kind of trend that you have to go there and tracht is not even that old actually, but it somehow led to that. Okay, you have to have a dirndl or a lederhosen when you go there, and so there's like like shops, like especially around the the, the Munich Central Station, that sell like these kind of fake dirndl and lederhosen for like fifty you bucks or something. You see it everywhere around the main station. No. Yeah, it's and gross. it's not like, and it's not it's not like like a traditional. Um, like, yeah, clothing anymore. I mean, like, where I come from, like, people wear this, like, other people wear, wear suits for special occasions or certain right. dresses or whatever. Hey, um, I've seen it there, like, at weddings, funerals, like, no. big important events in someone's life. You wear, like, your finest leather and... Yeah, and at Oktoberfest, it rather turns into, a, yeah, kind of a costume. It's like, a, yeah, it's like a joke. It's, it's, yeah. it's like, Hall- like a Halloween thing. No. I don't know if they and then, and then like you said, once they have that on, whether or not it's the fine original leathers or if it's this trashy T-shirt style. But as soon as that's on, the behavior it's like a light switch, you know. And yeah. you you see, I do absolutely agree with you about the the style of this behavior of men that changes there. And I'm sure um, I know it right now as I say it that our our big listener Moritz is uh, also nodding his head with this because. He's he definitely sees the world through the same lens that we do, but it's this um, this concept of just letting the most primal, aggressive macho behavior inside of you let loose because you're uninhibited by this extremely strong alcohol. People forget that it's much mm-hmm. stronger than normal beer, and then you have you know. Uh, uninhibited women, you know, who are a bit uh, maybe easier to manipulate or persuade to do things that they wouldn't do with a sober mind. And you have these men who, you know, end up falling out of the tents in a fist fight, smashing the glass on their heads and stuff and vomiting out of the rides. And it's, um, I, you know, like I'm not on the level as far as you yet i might be in a few years i don't know but i'm not on the level yet where i wouldn't want to go for at least one day like i Mm. do enjoy i do enjoy going there at least for one time it is (laughs) extremely expensive so i can't go there too many times but Mm. i would go there one or two times in the whole two weeks and you know say i'm going i'm going to spend this much money i bring like a limited amount of cash no you know um if i i do have Lederhosen from Oberstdorf that was, um, it doesn't fit me very well, but it was, it's legitimate and was hand me, handed down to me. So I, I like to wear that there too. I've and never seen those actually. They're from, of course, they're from the Geiger family. They don't fit me very well, but they're, you know, surprisingly, cause I'm a big dude, they're, they're pretty big on me. So they, mm-hmm. when I tuck the, when I tuck the shirt into it, there's still like quite a lot of space all around mm-hmm. the waist, but it doesn't matter too much. <clears throat> Um, and I think all, I think all I'm really missing is like the nice, like the knee high socks and stuff, but I can borrow those too. But yeah, anyway, so I'll go there and have that one or two days have, a, I love the rides, you know, I I love the food, like the, the Steak Semmel, 
Mm-hmm. The, the steak sandwiches they have at these stands is just killer. And But I, even if I go for those one or two days and I go there just to enjoy what I enjoy, like the rides and the, the food and, you know, four or five moths or whatever, if I can handle it, um, it's still like too many people and with more people comes more problems. No. And I think uh, I think you, in a very eloquent way, kind of voiced the major issues with it that I think a lot of people see but don't think about, maybe. But it's you're totally right. And I would love to actually know a little bit more about the the cattle festival thing in your hometown because I've I think I've been there for one of them. I don't know if I celebrated it, but someone told me like, "Hey, today is that day." Okay, but let's it's get really into special. It, but- Yeah, but um, if we close off that um, reason topic, because I got one thing that came to my mind. Oh yeah, have we can you, keep going. I just have you it. by chance seen the TV show in Germany? It's called like it's a German production and it's called Oktoberfest 1900. But they um, have it have it like um, synced on English now, and we'll bring it to Netflix if it isn't there already under the title Oktoberfest Beer and Blood. Um, uh, I, I did see something about Oktoberfest 1900, but I didn't... I thought maybe it was like Babylon Berlin where it's only in German. Um, you gotta see it because I know they will... They, it, I'm not sure if it is already on Netflix. I'll check that in a second. Um, or if they'll bring it to Netflix, but also in English. Um, Let me see. And it's um, crazy good. Like it's pretty dark and kind of evil. And it's about like Oktoberfest in the year 1900, where a lot of things changed for Oktoberfest and... Um, I'm not sure because I, I've recommended it to, to other people I know and I've got the kind of feedback that for people that don't live in Munich and don't have a certain relation to the city and this event probably don't enjoy it that much but still it is a great show and you live in Munich and it's like because um, it's about, about these kind of um, like fights these certain groups had with each other so like the, the huge and mighty brewers Yeah. against the people working there, etc. And um, then a guy from, it's basically about a guy from Nuremberg coming in with the idea to build these humongous tents where you could fit like 6,000 people. Because Hold before on, that... It's, it's accidentally playing. Sorry, let me... <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry, it's just in my headphones. I tried to look it up, but it just started playing it. It is on Netflix. It is on Netflix okay. now. Yeah. Um, Go ahead, has sorry. Beer and Blood, and it's um, yeah, about like um, based on, 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 on real events. It's pretty cool. And the title track is by our buddy Luke Cyrus Götz and his band Dreiviertelblut. They have they made the theme song for the show. Yeah. Well, hey, look at that. But isn't um is his name is Gerhard Baumann? The Who's main name? guy? That from from, from the, the band. From, yeah. Isn't it Ger- I'm not Gerhard sure. Baumann? I'm not sure. Um he yeah, he's actually like a um Uh, 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 I don't. I don't know if I. I don't know him that well. I won't. I don't know if I should say like he's a very successful, but I know he's a working composer for television and film. Mm-hmm. And Luke does a lot of stuff uh, with him, so that's great that they got this gig. That's awesome. No, yeah, great show. Got to see that. Uh, I'm gonna write that down. Yeah, because I. Uh, I will check that out because I'm always looking. Like there are so there's a handful of German programs these days that. Um, are finally kind of catching up with what actual Western entertainment should be like. Mm. <laughs> And it's actually starting to get interesting enough that, you know, hopefully they put just English subtitles even 
with it so I can watch it. Like, for example, I really want to try Babylon Berlin. A lot of friends tell me it's great and that I should try it. But until they offer English subtitles, I can't follow an entire series in German. No. Um, and this show, you know, if this has uh, English subtitles, I will definitely check this out. They do like they, they got it. Um, they like got it say, dubbed. They got it dubbed in English, actually. That's cool. And, you know, people like ever since Dark came out. Yeah. I didn't watch Dark yet. I saw one episode and it didn't quite click, but I'm very open to giving it another try. But ever since that came out post Stranger Things, um, the the writing in in Germany, especially in the Munich industry, I mean, I know that just through the the people close to me here, but mm. um, it's the, like the the game, the structure is changing a bit, and there are still plenty of limitations from some of the um, networks here, like BR and ZDF and mm. um, um, RTL and ARD, but. They're trying. They're trying to do different things. Like, you know, my friend Johanna wrote on uh, the new Netflix series Biohackers, like on the first season, I think. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm, not, I'm not certain if she wrote on the second one. I'd have to ask. Um, and our, our good friend Moritz is writing on uh, what seems to be a pretty amazing film project that mm-hmm. is like definitely greenlit and <laughs> is like pretty, pretty astounding. And you know, Efi being being a, a writing on this uh, show Stichtag for for the Join Network and this new show Wrong for for TV Now, no. and I feel like with the the entertainment in Germany is kind of shifting into stuff that is way more accessible for people who don't just uh, exist over fifty five on their sofas. You know, after the news on Bayerischer Rundfunk or something. Yeah, and there, there's a lot of things happening and coming from Germany. Like, I mean, dark. After Stranger Things had its hype and people were in that kind of mood, I guess, mm-hmm. Dark has been for a few months or weeks, I'm not exactly sure about that, but has been the most successful show worldwide on Netflix. Imagine that, a German show. Yeah, you know? and then a few a few other things happened, like, I don't know if you, uh, like another German show, How to Sell Drugs Online, online Fast. Fast. Yeah, dude. Um, and that also, was, That's also like really surprisingly cool for a german for germans to to write that it doesn't seem like something that was it kind of seems to me like kind of came out of nowhere like oh now no. we're now we're doing things that people really want to watch in different countries no and then stuff like um like have you seen unorthodox <gasps> unorthodox is very good no and it's like like the like the like the Bora feldman is american basically but it's about a lot of uh, a lot about Berlin and I guess a lot of German people working on that show. Mm-hmm. So like yeah, there's there's something some things happen happening that you probably I guess at least and like you know more about this industry than I do. Um, but I guess things are happening in Germany that you would not have expected like ten years ago. Or, no, not at all, not at all. I mean, it's definitely no. like. When you like, you know, you mentioned how to sell drugs online fast, dark, mm. and Babylon Berlin. I think these. <clears throat> I could be wrong about <clears throat> a different game changer, but I think from from my, you know, American perspective, it seems like these three were like three of the biggest sort of. Um, I'm going to use it again, zeitgeist changers of the entertainment <clears throat> industry here, because there's something about the writing and the limitations that German writing had that I think is 
opening up a bit more. It's it's, it's becoming mm. a bit more flexible, which allows greater entertainment. I think probably still today the biggest limitation is how far German basic television will allow the writers to go in terms of edginess. Like a story that gets very... Um, like, for example, let's look at a show like Nick Pazzolato's True Detective, that first season of True yeah. Detective, right? It's based on a, on a true crime in Ponchatoula, Louisiana. It's about, a, it incorporates a cult. It incorporates a serial killer. It incorporates rape. It incorporates alcoholism, drug abuse. Um, um, what's the other, what's uh, uh, when you cheat on your wife? Um, what's the word for when you cheat on your spouse? Um, that anyway, cheating on your spouse, um, like having a mistress, all, and it's all like, but that's what real people do. Real people abuse mm. drugs and cheat on their wives and rape and murder people. That really happens. No. And when you have a story that is allowed to have the like HBO allows the story to just be exactly how dark and twisted that it needs to be, not just twisted mm. for twisted sake, but twisted because that's the story and these characters can exist in that realm and push these boundaries of like trying to get somewhere, uh, trying to solve something, trying to, to solve their own personal problems or to solve the crime itself. And that's why that show is just still like my favorite eight or 10 episodes of television of all time. No, It's just the best season, like single season of television ever, in my opinion. Mm. And I think what Germany l struggles with um, and I know that that is slightly changing now, is allowing writers to push those boundaries to tell a greater and mm. more significant story. Um, and, you know, perhaps Dark is, you know, touching that a little bit with, you know, the different, you know, Dark isn't yeah, very dark easy to is follow. Dark is also kind of science fictionary, just as... yeah. It's kind of sci-fi and there's, you know, some, there are some dark, you know, dark <laughs> elements to it, no. but I think from but what I, I hear from friends, like what, what, yeah. what, what, just I'll finish this thought. Like what I hear from the friends I know who are writers in Munich in in the film industry and in television industry here. And what I see from this, these new shows, um, like for example, um, wrong, which hasn't come out yet. Um, I see a lot of potential like, well, finally we're mm. getting to where Germany could be making shows like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. They could be making mm. shows like True Detective. And I think that's amazing because that not only will bring more attention to the industry here and make it more international, but it could also start, you know, expanding the reach in terms of where German writers can, can go, if they can work in different countries, if they can... Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just rambling mm. now, but I think it's really, it's getting somewhere good now that it definitely wasn't even when I moved here. No. Yeah, I'm like, I see that, but what I, what I also think, and like I said before, I'm absolutely no expert and <laughs> pro in this field, but um, what I feel like, and I, mm, because I got these th thoughts because I, <clears throat> I think I see kind of a similar phenomenon <laughs> with um podcasts and that's something i do a lot um like that they're like you said um writers or directors or yeah crews in general are allowed to um 
like you said, work with these certain edges. And um, I think that has happened before, but... You don't think it's here to stay? No, I think I'm think it, it's getting more, and it's it has always been there, but it hasn't been like that many, like the the range of like um, certain certain shows or 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 movies within a certain genre and direction. Um, like there there was not always a spot financially, economically, for more than a few of these niche kind of things i guess and in in, in the u.s industry because there's so much more money like um a lot of players probably can as well just try and invest into a a broader range of different ideas and um Mm -hmm. stories because if one fails um or two or five fail it's worst case scenario not that bad for you Right, right. Yeah, definitely. And I think, um, yeah, like you're saying, you're bringing podcasts into the conversation. I think um, at least in terms of audio and visual content, I can't speak for what's happening in the newspapers or in the magazines or the books. But in terms of audio and visual entertainment, I think our, I think you might just be the generation under me, but I think millennial and Gen Z sort of together are... Are, you know, if when millennials become the old people and the mm-hmm. internet will have been around that long and look at where the internet is right now, the internet is so much and so intense that even you quit all social platforms. And that's a lot for, for, for someone your age to do. Um, an impressive thing too. But what I'm saying is I think the internet and the exposure we have to it and the amount of humor and darkness and and also like you know it's everything of everything of everything all the time no and imagine if that stays and gets even more intense as someone like me gets into their 60s what the generation your generation and the one after you and after that what they will bring into these entertainment platforms especially in countries like germany where it has been so famously i don't want to say just bland but it has been very limited you know, like where, like where podcasts are right now. Yeah. Uh, like first off, us being able to have an all English podcast about creative immigrants. Uh, you know, it's a really cool <laughs> thing to be able to do. It's, let's let's face it; it's it's ridiculous. Tell that it's, anybody it, like yeah. <laughs> seven to eight years ago. Exactly. Imagine <laughs> like a station in Munich like getting a couple of people like us to do an all English show that, that, you know, we get paid to do essentially. And, uh, and then, and and then I think about like, uh, my ego FM show, you know, mm. they're pushed, they, even they're saying now like, okay, well, you know, there's some stations like FM fear mm. in Austria and they, you know, they have a lot of people who are younger, who are more interested in, in hearing English. They speak more English. So let's, yeah. let's have a program in English and, and try new things. And now the entertainment industry, bringing in new writers, allowing more shows uh, like the ones we mentioned to, to come out and like th- getting the bigger networks and the streaming platforms to say, ah, maybe we can try something new. I think that's like, maybe at least I can only speak for Germany right now, but I think we might be kind of on the cusp of a new 
like all around entertainment revolution where we could be setting the new boundary of like what's next because right yeah. now there's still there's still the boomers who will still absolutely every night sit at home and en- enjoy their tatwat and um say that again tatwat oh it's cute how you say that am i fucking it up <laughs> no no not, not at all it's just like has a cute cute little a little bit like like I would expect from Mark, like a little bit not dodge. Oat. Oat. How would you say it? Tarot. 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 Yeah, there's always going to be people that uh, want to, you know, have their routine shows. But I think even, I mean, our, you know, <laughs> even Moritz is writing Tarot now. Mm. And that's no. already going to have a fresher, cooler perspective. His, because I know what movies and television shows he enjoys. And I've talked to him a lot about this exclusively. And I know that what he and his extremely talented wife, Johanna, are writing, even if it's a Tatawat, will be better and more limit-pushing than, for example, what had come before them, I think. Yeah, I totally see that. And um, like to that point, I thought you, you wanted to make sure that like the internet change Change already changed, st- still changes everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I rambled about, a like, bit, but yeah. Like, what, <laughs> what kind of um, probably playing field, creative work also needs at times um, to get to these points where you ca- can, like, within the entertainment industry, diversify so much. Like, we see that with, with, with music as well. Um, like because the internet and and like the whole way like how entertainment may it be a song, a TV show, a movie, um, or I don't know, a live live footage of a of a comedian, whatever, is distributed in a completely other way and is consumed in a yeah. completely other way. Like and we see it with with music. I think we talked about that on an early episode. Like um, especially when you're within a market that is not one of the biggest one. Like. <laughs> Like I, you know, where I experienced that, like being in Germany, and obviously, um, like, like listening listening to a lot of music that comes from the U.S. market, um, and like pre Spotify, etc. Like I was, a, a, like a, a reggae and hip hop fan, and the thing, the the stuff we listened to, was like, um, like what came over. Like the three to five uh, rap artists, hip hop artists that are so huge in the States that they also are a thing here, like the 50 Cent and Eminem's, etc. Mm-hmm. Like today, I can listen to, <laughs> like last week, I listened to this album from, a, from an indie rapper from, uh, from London who has like maybe 2,000 clicks or something. Mm-hmm. And I completely enjoy it. And within, I don't know, within, let's say, <laughs> rock music there's like so so many subgenres and each one has its own stars and um yeah like it diversifies so much and you also see that like on on t- you see that on tv and in the cinemas as well because there are other sp- other players in the industry like and it's a completely other thing if like a player who doesn't necessarily make his money with the content let's say amazon and Amazon like says, yeah, sure, we have no, like all the money you need to produce a nice, 
show for our um, like video streaming platform, Amazon Prime Video. Mm-hmm. Like it's a completely diff- different thing, and it's not like. And in Germany, that's the thing. I know a lot works with um, all these kinds of funds that uh, pay for a lot of production costs, like Filmförder for Bayern and oh, the funding programs. Yeah, 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 the funding programs. Um, and so for like classical players, it's, it's I guess it's at first a lot of like um, a lot of organization having conversations, looking yeah. for for money here, looking for this and that there. Etc. Yeah. And it's a lot of lot of organizational work before you, and then you always have to think about okay, is this idea worth it to go through that process until we get like the money we need until we get everything to produce it, and will it be a success so that the money comes back? <laughs> right. And like if if Netflix and Amazon are at a point where they say okay, this year we'll we'll give out <laughs> the money to produce like I don't know let's say. 50 different TV shows. We want like three comedy shows, this and that and that. And we right. see what works. And if 40 don't work, but 10 work and get millions and millions of views, we're fine. Yeah. Dude, that, speaking of like the genre, that's also another thing that I think has to develop and change here is that Germany, especially when it comes to film, that films that they produce, they are so caught up on being a, a super specific genre. Here is the Lebeke's junkie. Here's the comedy movie, the comedy ha-ha comedy. And then here's the romance movie. Mm-hmm, love you, romance only. And then here is the, you know, the crime. But they never say, let's have a, a, a dark comedic crime story with a romance uh, plot line. You know, it's never like, mm. that's something about American films and English films and Irish films and a lot of, of films, actually, Spanish, like Almodovar does that perfectly. But there's so many other countries that make films where they, it isn't necessarily like just a comedy, just a thriller, just a this, just mm-hmm. a that. But they have, you know, like Cabin in the Woods is an example of like, it's horror, but it's really funny, but it's also sci-fi. And it even has some thriller aspects. And I think it's really cool when you see all these different things coming together and working so well, but in Germany, you see like comedy only tell me it's funny. And then like, no. you know, for example, if he, if he wrote a film, um, and I hope really one day that it comes to fruition. And I think it will, a lot of people keep coming back to her about it, but nothing's happened yet, but it's, um, a film sort of really roughly based on like our true experiences being an international couple, and coming mm-hmm. together and the, our families being so different and stuff. And it's really, it's executed wonderfully. And I was there, you know, she's ran everything of it by me as she was doing it. And I think it's really uh, special and unique. And I think it shows a perspective on an international couple that maybe people don't get so much in, in other mm-hmm. platforms. And it's not just a straight up comedy. Because there is a lot of struggle that comes with being an international mm. couple. So there's a lot of, there's like, you know, there's some heartbreak, there's some drama, there's, there is a lot of comedy in it, but it's, it's kind of this Noah Baumbach, like darkness, but with good characters and an interesting world and there's romance to it and there's some fun in it. And it's just, you know, it's, it's like, or Wes Anderson, it's just hard to label it as just a pure comedy. And that's what I think is going to be hard unless that industry shifts. Mm. 
for some for a film like that that is very good to be made in Germany, it, I, unless it would be shipped out to a different country. I think to make it here would be it's it's hard. It's hard. Um, yeah, oh, and I, I had one thought too, just before I forget, because you mentioned uh, the music industry. I have this feeling, and I could be totally wrong. It's just this instinct I have that the music industry, the way that it is just right now, is kind of on a slight verge of another collapse. And yeah. I don't mean, yeah, and I don't mean it in the sense that... Um, that it would lose more money because there was such an enormous collapse after the physical products went downhill, like CDs and uh, tapes and stuff. I mean, and that's not including vinyl because that's still popular, but um, I, I get this feeling and maybe it's just me, but I get this feeling that there is so much popular music that once again, by far isn't the first time, but once again, sounds so similar that we might be facing another moment in the next three to five years where the shift into what people want to hear greatly varies from what we're listening to now. Because if you think about 2005, 2007, Mm -hmm. like the most, uh, there was like basically two departments you could be in. There was the uh, crank that soldier boy sort of. Yeah. Populate that was like the number one song on all the radio stations. You had that world, or on the other side, you had Fleet Foxes, Vampire Weekend, MGMT, like this extremely popular indie, indie pop, indie rock music. Yeah, but like not here, like (laughs) not in Germany. (laughs) Like I guess, like most people probably to this day still don't know Fleet Foxes. Uh, then maybe I, uh, then maybe I'm just speaking for um, America. Then it's hard to say because uh, you know mm. I only see things through my algorithms. So maybe my algorithms just stale right now. But mm. I get the feeling like um, I, I I was noticing something on Spotify the other day. I noticed like okay, everyone's been anticipating so much the new uh, Certified Lover Boy album from Drake and Donda from Kanye. No, and I gave both of them. A, a reasonable skim through. I wasn't really excited for either, but I wanted to just be a part of what people are talking mm-hmm. about. So I, I listened to a little bit of both and just nothing grabbed me at all. And even the new Kendrick singles <sighs> are pretty boring, I think. Yeah. You know, the only person in that world who I think is always doing something interesting is Anderson Pack, but he even has a new single for this Marvel film that's beautiful. It's Of course, it's he, he is so painfully talented, but it's also not something brand new for him. No. So all of that kind of fits into what you expect. And then you have, like, I, I was looking through, like, suggestions for me on Spotify, and it was, like, popular, like, indie rock. And I thought, indie rock, okay, that's all I really... I mean, they know that that's what I listen to a lot, and I expected Tame Impala, I expected... um I don't know, like Father John Misty or or whatever. What I what I think of as like indie, and the person on the cover to promote the indie playlist was Olivia Rodrigo. What? Who is so not indie? Like what? what? I mean, I know Tame. I know Tame Impala is enormously famous, but they're still kind of indie. 
in my mind. Like they come from that world kind of. They come they yeah, they broke through the mold of indie and created no. something altogether. They they really did something different. Mm. But um but Livia Rodrigo like she had I mean as far as I know she has one hit pop single. No. And she was on like Jimmy Fallon and she, you know, people sing her lyrics in these in these uh, gimmicks online and stuff and, and it from it, it's a TikTok track and I thought like, oh, you know, that's good for her. Um, good for her but why don't they put her in the same nice one you know good for her but why don't they put her in the same world as Billie Eilish like Billie Eilish is pop and she doesn't try to sell you anything else she just is I think Billie Eilish is like super genuine I think I don't love all her music but I think what she does is what she does and they don't sell it as anything else it is pop she's a very mainstream artist there you go. And Olivia Rodrigo is super mainstream too. She just plays a different no. style. And they're like, newest indie tracks from the underground. Uh, Good for you. Happy, happy, yeah, happy. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <clears throat> what? Um, yeah, and, and still there you could say like the, the big difference between those two is that all, Billie Eilish also, you could say, comes from this kind of indie <clears throat> world. Um, by the way, I actually, uh, I don't know, late to the party but like two weeks ago for the first time i really like gave the whole album like actual the the the, the current blue Irish album a listen through and i really like it it has taken me like two and a half years wait, wait I, the, the the one that she just came out with the bushes yeah, yeah. blonde oh, yeah yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah exactly um happier than ever and that's it, um that's it. Yeah. like for the that whole first wave of Billie Eilish hype I really was not a part of probably because I was so annoyed because what's pretty cool about the station we do this podcast for M94.5 is that they really often like um, find musicians and artists and probably probably hits before at least in Germany anyone else plays it so and yeah um, we had Billie Eilish um, uh, nah bad guy playing yeah. for like four weeks on heavy rotation for like weeks and weeks and weeks. And then that stopped. And I was so annoyed by it because I was sitting there in the office and all day you hear that. And then like that hype was over and then, and then it broke through like, it was pre-TikTok, Instagram and all these bigger stations, etc. But it's another thing. Like I really am into the, the, the Billie Eilish hype now. And I must say, I also didn't like uh, the new Kanye album. But no. it led it led there that I um listened through Life of Pablo again and I mm. really loved that album. That's one thing about stuff that Kanye puts out now. It really reminds you of how great he was. No. <laughs> <laughs> like Donda for me is very boring. No. Um and so but, is I mean, I don't even really like Drake either. I didn't even really nothing sticks to mm. mind about that album. But to your general point, like I don't experience that much, but that is probably or at least part of it probably is because I don't use Spotify and... Mm, oh, yeah, right. You're an Apple Music guy. But don't you feel sometimes that the algorithm... You think the algorithm for that gives you something that you really love that you hadn't tried before? Like, the way I use it, because the algorithms aren't that good as on Spotify, and the way I use it, like, I I don't really use the, the algorithm at all. Like, mm. um... I have in mind that probably, or I see that, okay, they probably got on my 
like it's called uh, like uh, like that that starting page like uh there's an album upcoming because you got that one album from that artist download but that's the way it like that that's the maximum i don't mm-hmm. i'm not into playlists that apple music gives me or anything that's probably only as well as like the way i use it and so mm, i don't just say just say like you you listen to uh billy eilish's uh better than ever so you might like that doesn't that, that that doesn't really happen like i only get notifications when when artists that i follow uh, bring out new music that's the thing that's the so maximum they, they never suggest you anything you haven't heard before um not really like yes if i want in, within a certain point of the like the menu bar in a certain section then you can have that and they have these what i actually like better is that they they have this kind of um, like it's called apple music radio and it's like radio shows with artists and they talk about their music etc it's like a podcast with music there's cool things happening, but that, that, that's that's the only thing. Like I consume music in that kind of way. The rest of the time, like I I don't know, I go through my probably because I went from like having a, an iTunes library, getting that migrated to Apple Music. Like I yeah. still listen to the uh, to music in a way. Like okay, I go through my library and start listening through it at some point. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, over yeah. and over again. Um, and from time to time, like finding finding new stuff because somebody told me, "Oh, have you listened to that and that record, or whatever?" Or I don't know. You can't get around like a, a Kanye release or anything. You like in our in our probably you you, you know when there's some, something uh, new out. But to your point, like that there's a a certain shift or mm, a kind of collapse. Like so, I don't. I can't relate to that too much within music. I see it, but I also, like, I see your point totally. But on the other hand, I also feel like that what you describe will happen, I think has happened with a lot of genres. Yeah. Like in the yeah. market I know here here in Germany, especially, um, where where certain genres diversify and it goes more into niches and because people don't want to listen to the same stuff over and over again. But I, I see that point, but I can relate to it um, from like my my job and the the field I work in. That there is like that there we are at the collapsing point of um, how you could could you say um, like um, the way people like or consume a, a form of of entertainment and news, etc. Because yeah. I see that a lot, like in Germany, like RTL is starting to. Um, invest in in journalists and trying to to put more focus on on their news program, etc. Like Posim that Eins is making huge efforts, like building up a whole team and having new shows, which is like like they realize, okay, the people don't just want to see like kind of reality trash TV on our stations, um, right, right anymore. We have to do something else, and then I see huge radio stations, um, like Antenne Bayern promoting um with phrases like um uh less less raffles on the program more music and stuff like that. and you see like okay there's I a see. shift in in like people are sick of some some things that have been normal in the way we consume any form of media entertainment um news whatever 
Yeah. And there are things changing and some of these these forms of presentation that we were used to for years and years are probably yeah, collapsing like you said. There's something there's something changing there. I th- yeah. There there it, I, I think it, I don't know. I haven't talked to many people about it, but I there is this sort of just <laughs> There's something stale about yeah. what I'm seeing and I I don't know if anyone else feels that way, but I that's what that's the vibe that I get. Yeah. Um Oh, and by the way, uh for those who have speaking of music, for those who have listened to the new song that I just dropped with Tom Yanks, Waiting for Love. Thank you very much. It got onto the um Dude, very lucky, very thankful. Got back-to-back singles on the Spotify editorial playlist, Indie Brand Noi. And that's a big deal for me. That's really an honor that they put two singles of mine on there. So that's very cool. Pieces with Moonmates and Waiting for Love with Tom Yanks. What kind of weird but nice-looking cover. I must admit, <laughs> we you haven't heard yet. this. I haven't heard it yet. But that totally, <laughs> uh, fits my point that I don't um, like that the algorithm of Apple Music isn't that good. Because in that case, it hasn't reminded me that I should listen to the new Jordan Prince single. <laughs> I think some things are kind of behind with it. Like, I still can't get it to come up. You know, when you post an Instagram story and you can select a song to play, mm-hmm. I still can't get it to come up, which okay. is really weird. Pieces comes up, but not Waiting for Love. So I find that weird. Um, but it is it is on TikTok. I can use it on a, a TikTok video, but mm. weird. Um, yeah, Waiting for Love, it's... I don't know. For those who, there's a few people who haven't written me about it. So I assume they haven't had the time yet uh, or they're afraid to tell me they don't like it, but it is a different kind of song from what I do. Like perhaps I should have, part of me thinks maybe I should have had a a pseudonym to release this kind of music under, Mm -hmm. but, but I also wanted to release it under my platform because of the amount of um, Mm. like, there's a certain amount of streams I will get anyway mm, the reach from, yeah the reach that's you know that's it so um i didn't want to start like a whole new channel and mm. pay i don't have the time to make like a new persona mm, and right i mean now. but but um like you said um probably releasing it under another name or pseudonym or something um but i guess it's still something that you as jordan prince like um are not ashamed of that you have not at all released I love this that song. song. Like I mean, and then I think I think it could also be cool, like to 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 show people, like okay, you know me as the the happy the happy wedding guitar player, um, but I also <laughs> do this kind of stuff. <laughs> totally, man. Like I would love to have the chance one day to play that song live, like either with a band or or with Tom Yanks on on the DJ kit or something. Mm. But waiting for live. Um, yeah, waiting for live. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna do some more songs with him, and he actually. Um, oh yeah, I don't. He's he did our uh, remix of our theme song. For those who don't know, yes, that's, that's the same guy. He remixed a song from my previous album, Twelve Songs for Twelve Friends, which I do also plan to release this year, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, it brings a totally different vibe to the to the song that I didn't imagine at all. So I'll, I'll leave that as a surprise for now, but mm-hmm. yeah, for whoever hasn't checked it out yet, uh, waiting for love is out. And it's just this, uh, just, the, it just makes me feel good. It's just like sexy and fun and it's really silly and carefree. And it's just about like vibing out. It's, it's, it got on a, a handful of more like smaller chill vibe playlists 
Um, so that's always a good feeling because I never had music on these chill vibe playlists. That's always more like lo-fi hip hop stuff. So that this new song fits perfectly into that world. And I mean, um, yeah, probably that's a cool vibe. I mean, we just passed the, the one hour mark. Probably it, should we put in a little clip of that song here and come back after it? Yeah, let's check it out. Yeah, dude, that's the that's the vibe, man. So I'm I, I I'm curious um, I'm curious, you know, to hear more about what you guys think about it. And I do think um, just before I forget, because we did say that we would talk about this, let's talk a little bit about those election results. Ooh, yes, sir. Uh, before we forget it. Like I'm re <laughs> Morris is mentally rubbing his hands together like oh <laughs> no, yeah no. um not at all um but I, I would be really interested in like how did you spend uh like the election Sunday or did you did you watch TV did you did you read something about it how did you how did you like um watch this election or have a yeah um we didn't get to see I mean I don't know if everything ended on Sunday officially but we did have thankfully more of a calm Sunday. My, I gave my mom the night off. And, <laughs> that uh, sounds like she, she <laughs> no, no, no. I gave her the night off. Like, she's the one writing Jordan, <laughs> Jordan Prince hits like in a little, in a little back room. And it, because it was the election, like you were so nice to give her a night off. <laughs> <laughs> that was just coincidental. Um, she, she, she was tired. So we said, yeah, take, take the night off. And, uh, we we had thankfully a calm evening in general so we just uh th you know youtube offers a lot of live streams from certain networks and we watched because you mentioned it deutsche welle oh. and deutsche welle has live news on youtube just like abc mm -hmm. news or other other news and we were watching it f i'd say for about two hours maybe just at, at some point we, we just turned it off because it's just um correspondence talking about predictions mm -hmm. and they can only say so much, you know, but I, what was interesting for me was to see uh, these charts and graphs of the potential coalition groups being explained in English, because when you see the colors and the numbers, you're like, oh, okay, this makes a bit you more know. sense after like, when you explained it, it was kind of hard for me to wrap my head yeah, around. Yeah, I believe that. But then, well, but then having your explanation in my head already and then seeing the charts mm -hmm. on the page, I was like, oh, that's what he meant. And I think it's really cool. First off, it's astounding and pretty sad that IFD has over 11%, even though it went down 8% or something like that. Um, but 11% is a lot. And then what's also interesting is the coalitions, none of the parties that are involved in potential coalitions even consider doing one with IFD. So they're not even listed on the charts. Yeah. So no party is even remotely saying like, no, absolutely not. And I think that's cool that they all have different philosophies, more more left, more centrist, more right. But they're like, no, we're not going to do a coalition with those guys. Yes, <laughs> that's that's a good thing. Um, to get it right, like they got 10.3% now AFD and it was like, yeah, over 12 the last time. And the last time 
what was kind of yeah because this is not a democratic people these are extreme right is extremely right wing party that is um extremely right yes um so um it, i'm i'm happy um to to because and that's one of that's one of the the conclusions i i got out of this like i'm still happy to live in a country that um or where like these bigger parties um none of them um neither the more the rather like econom economy liberal one or the more conservative one more progressive ones none of these like even thinks about um working together with this party or like we've also right. seen in other european countries like where bigger often conservative parties try to use these ultra right wing parties to um to get their um like and get their agenda yeah, pushed exactly. through kind of um um and their majorities etc so that's a good thing and um yeah the rest of this election was pretty weird and pretty new for for germany so how did you feel about it how did you watch mm, it like first of all i gotta say i was not that satisfied and the united because they the were US, so even and CDU? the u.s election is kind of um the the reason <laughs> like it's your fault it's your fault that i was a, a little <laughs> bit unsatisfied because of the sh like of the 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 she difference that i knew before but i i don't know i i probably expected too much <laughs> in that terms like the event what do you the mean? event that um took place around like the us elections and i was watching days and days of cnn and the way Oh, just like the the, the, yeah. the presentation like what, of it all. What oh, yeah, what, yeah. what what uh, huge TV networks make out of it is kind of like because it's mm -hmm. almost like like watching like watching sports, uh, live sports, like having totally. all these it's experts like and graphics match. and here and there and tactics and whatsoever. And he's a key race alert and so on <laughs> and so forth. We get news yeah, from Florida. It's a, show. Like it's it's a real show. all the time. Like they make a huge show out of it. And um, like you could imagine, that's not the case in Germany. Like in Germany, it's like you turn on the TV. Around 6 p.m. Um, and probably around 10 or 11, you more or less know what has happened, and that's it. And it, yeah, it is probably also weird because um, we're clearly finally at that point where you don't have, um, like, we have more pluralism and not these, um, like, in the US, you have the, the, the nickname, like, Grand Old Party for the Republicans. Or you have none of these these huge parties anymore in Germany. Like there's no party. What's the nickname? What's the nickname? Grand old party for the Republicans. Like you don't have these 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 ah. these big these grand parties in Germany anymore. There's no party like um, uh, getting more than than around 25%, like one quarter of of voters. Also, it's not like ain't no party like a grand no party because a grand no party don't stop. <laughs> it's not like that, right? Not like that, no. But um, okay. um, yeah, like there's no no party like um, gaining a majority of votes. Like it's four parties that are in a range between thirteen and twenty five percent that somehow have to get together. And we are in a weird situation right now after the election. That it seems yeah. like the like 
um, for all people who who are not informed, like the SPD, the Social Democratic Party, got the most, or my screens, we um, got the most votes. Like they got twenty five point seven percent. Um, after them, you have the CDU, the more conservative party, like with twenty four point one. Then the Greens with fourteen point eight, and the FDP, which you could probably, yeah, like, are a little bit similar to the like the the Libertarians in the USA. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. That's what, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so, I so like, on, in first place, you get SPD, second CDU, and then Greens and FDP. And it seems like now that the the third and fourth placed party, like if you just look at the sh- numbers, um, who who gained the, who who not who gained who um, who got the most votes, like the third yeah. and fourth place, are the ones kind of deciding who they will form a coalition with, and who will be gentler. Yeah, there's yeah, there's two things that that were really a big deal, right? Like one was that it's the first time that Greens will be. Uh, that will have they will have chair in the government is that right no that's they like they they've been in government um like in that short period uh, pre pre Merkel oh okay but th- don't they there's something about them right that they have more seats or something it's their best it's their it's their best, r- their result, best result on uh, in the federal election oh, okay. ever that's that's yeah. what not what they expected they expected even more that's why they they nominated a chancellor candidate mm-hmm. um because they thought they had chances to like be the strongest party, but still, it is actually their best uh, result they ever That's had. That's amazing. And the other thing is that the um, the opposing the opposing nominated chancellor against Olaf Scholz 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 is the one for right. SPD. The one opposing him yeah. who laughed at has the picture of him yeah. laughing at the flooding. Amin Laschet. What's his name? Amin Laschet. He's he's like not stepping down from. His current position, right? He's like, there's something about it. Isn't he like opposing the situation? He knows he lost, but he's not offering to step down from potential chancellor seat. There's something like that, right? Yeah, that that was the that that, that was the thing, and it's uh, pretty interesting what will happen within that party um, right now because, like, on election night, he said like that um, because they are not so um, far behind. SPD, that they still kind of, um, he could say, deserve to to f- to form a government and him being the new ah, chancellor. Okay. Um, and now that that um, changes a little because a lot of other party members of CDU have said, um, no, like we are not in the position. Like the people have not given us a clear votum to do yeah. this. Like we're not the winners, winners of this. Like it's the like the Greens had their best result ever. The CDU has their worst result ever with twenty four percent. So this is the lowest they've ever been before. That's the lowest they've ever been, and there's wow. not a, because we talked so much about the districts and also the constituencies in Germany. Yeah. Um, like in not a single one, the CDU has performed better than at the last election, twenty seventeen. Why do you think it was the lowest year for them? <laughs> um, there's, there's, there's probably a lot of reason, but um, <laughs> they have been, they have been the reigning party for sixteen years now again, um, and 
yeah, it's time for a change, I guess, right? It's time for a change, and like we could go on here for a long uh, part about where they actually did not a good job, and um, like, um, yeah, like conservatism gets to its limits, I guess, in terms of um, sometimes you have to give new ideas chances, ch uh, chances or a chance. And uh, they were way too slow with things like, and you know that, like digitalization, mm -hmm. like like coming yeah. into the digital age, yeah, like like um, in Germany, offices are still like faxing around paper um, insane, to communicate dude. and stuff like that. The internet is is super shitty, and that's not only yeah. one. Not having talked about probably what they have done um, for schools and universities which is not that much um, or like the health sector or the climate crisis. Um, so the list really and, goes on and on here. Yeah. And there's a, there have been a lot of cases of corruption within the party and within uh, like probably within some, some uh, like smaller regional governments of, um, of city reigned um federal states, and so on and so on. So there are a lot of reasons, but in general, I like, um, there has a lot of sh shit, sorry, um, been going on actually with members of this party that also really annoyed me personally, I must say. But in general, you could, I guess, also say, okay, it's like it's been 16 years and there are certain big topics and issues that we see in Germany and many people no matter if they probably have voted for CDU before or like them or not, probably see that, okay, like the government and the government has been CDU for the past 16 years, hasn't done enough with this and that and so on and so forth. Okay, okay. So yeah, it's just just sort of a general feeling that it's time yeah. to try different things. Yeah, and um, okay. so like they still have won a lot of constituencies, like of these districts. Like in Bavaria, it has been... Um, a surprise and a kind of sensation that there's one district, one in all of Bavaria, that is not that has not been won this time by the CSU, but the Greens, which is Munich South. Oh wow! <clears throat> okay, that's but, cool. Like I can I can send you a link to a map later. Um, like it's the the only district in all of Bavaria. All other have been won by CSU. So they they still have a strong base. It's not like that. But there's not a single district where they have gained votes. Like it's not have come they, they lost basically everywhere still they got majorities in in in, in districts but um they basically have in compared to the last election they have lost everywhere and it's their their uh their lowest ever wow okay yeah so it was a pretty and, pretty intense election then yeah and that leads to because like the spd the social democratic party um they have won a lot regarding um like the like the the CDU has lost like around nine percent compared to the last election, and that was already a low result for them. And the SPD has won five percent, what has been pretty low before. And they also have also been in government with CDU for the past eight years, and so they probably have kind of the same problem. Just because I want to explain why, or probably probably a reason why, while one party goes down, the other one doesn't go up. And replaces right. them. It doesn't mean necessarily that it's just exactly. between those two. Because, yeah, because SPD also had issue, had problems, and like many voters from CDU went to 
different other parties, like especially in Eastern Germany, sadly, they have lost a lot to ultra-right-wing AFD. Right. <laughs> they yeah. have also lost a lot to the Greens and to to uh, FDP, like the Liberals. So, um, and, and it's, funny that, it's to- funny that people leave that more centrist group to go to one of two extremes. Like Greens are more way more extreme in one direction than AFD is more extreme in another direction. You you cannot say that. Like the Greens are no. Like the Green has been a party of like you could say hippies that came into parliament in the in the eighties <laughs> and nineties probably. But they're an established party now, and they are not extremely left or anything. Oh okay um, okay. But you see that with like the I, and I still don't want to compare these because there's a huge difference. But um, that's something you see and that many people are happy with <clears> at least. That um, it's not like that because. Um, it's not like many people have left these more traditional parties like SPD and CDU for the in like in, in extreme directions, left or right. Okay. Because those both have lo- have le- lost. Like the AFD has lost um, compared to the last election, and especially like the left party, D Linke, um, right? Which right. still, I want to I want to say that clearly, you can't compare Linke and AFD. Um. But um, if you want to say, like, rather the, the borders of the spectrum, like to the left and the right, they have both lost. But in the, like, in the middle, in between, it's not two parties anymore that um, win or lose votes from each other. Yeah. But it has rather become, like, four parties in a certain range. And it, um, like, has, yeah, diversified into, like, four parties. And that obviously okay. leads to them um, stealing each other's votes, which leads right. to, okay, you don't have one or two parties that gain over, or like one party gaining over 40% or something, and then having a coalition with a party that probably, I don't know, gained 8%, and you have a government. But you need, like we said before, like you need three parties now. And that right. leads to the weird situation that number three and four, like the third and fourth place, the Greens and the yellow ones, like FDP, are the ones having their, like today, while we're recording this, they are having the first talks, are talking, because they also say we are the parties that have the biggest differences between each other's programs and ideas. Yeah. And they are talking now, and after that, they will talk to, like, the parties who still got the most votes, votes still being CDU and SPD, and kind of decide, okay, will we, as the Greens and the FDP, form a coalition with the SPD, and that will make Olaf Scholz the chancellor? Oh. Or will we because you think obviously the party that gains the most votes decides how the new government looks. But it's not exactly that way because if the the, the Greens say okay we don't want to um I don't think that will happen but <laughs> example given like the the Greens would say we don't want to work with uh, Olaf Scholz as a chancellor then he would have no chance to become the new chancellor and form a new government because he needs the Greens to do that. And so like the smaller parties wow. that gained, like the FDP gained 11.5% and the Greens like 14.8% um, are more or less deciding, okay, which bigger partner will be reigning this country with us. Right. Okay. So the two smaller parties, they, they, will, they will make a coalition with one of the two yeah. major parties, depending on which major party they, they make these compromises and coalitions with. That will decide eventually in some week's time who the new chancellor will be. 
Hopefully, in some weak times, it can also take. It also could take month, like the last okay. time. So, what, um, what, hap- what happens to the government in Germany as it stands before these decisions are finalized? Does, so, nothing changes from Merkel's reign until those changes are stamped and signed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Like she's still in office. the the um, The current government is still working, which is a kind of like some journalists have um, make jokes about it, and kind of bet. Uh, with each other because the thing is the the question is and i'm not sure if that if it's that important but will chancellor merkel be like the historically who had the longest um like who has longest been in office yeah, the because longest reign the longest reign exactly <clears throat> because before her um like in the 80s and 90s like the chancellor um what of what was western germany before and then all of Germany, Helmut Kohl has also been in office for 16 years. And um, it's a matter of days, weeks and days now, whether he, she will basically be longer in office than uh, him she'll, or she'll not. She'll have a longer, a longer record yeah. by just a short margin. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty crazy, man. Um, but, but yeah, so that, that they are, that, so she is still in office um, and still has some international meetings. Like it's been the United Nations meeting last week i'm not sure about that but yeah she will still be in office and but i just find the situation still weird and new and i'm not sure whether i like it that much or not i um i think i still like the system in germany and i like to see like i said before um that i like this kind of pluralism and there are certain perspectives and parties um standing for these perspectives yeah and I like that it's like it's not like in other countries that like the conservatives losing more and more and more and more votes to the to the ultra right or being transformed them, themselves to a rather far right party, like you could see with the Grenoble Party, the Republicans in the in the USA. Like it's horrible yeah. what what has happened to this party and is still happening, and what kind of forces are are more or less ruling there. And so I'm yeah. happy to to not have these kind of things happening. But still, it's a weird situation because you would imagine, like, the leader of the party with the most votes to decide what is the next uh, government. And it has happened before that, like, there has been a coalition formed which did not include the party who basically, if you want so, in quotation marks, won the election. But that you have one party with eleven point five percent and one with fourteen point eight percent of votes, like more or less decide who's going to be the next chancellor for another party. It's, it's kind a very of weird funny. Thing, it's a very funny it? business you guys are p- pulling here. That's <laughs> 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 a really funny way to do things. But no, uh, what, like I'll just ask this final question on it. Like, what do you think is the benefit of the of the government election process working like the way it is now? Is there a benefit or is it just an old way that should definitely change? Mm, like you mean the process of, of, of building the government now, well, like, you know, like post-election? Like the how wild it sounds that the, the party with the most uh, electoral votes doesn't have the power to choose their chance. Mm. Like there isn't a chance they're representing that party mm. that just is in power, but instead two smaller parties have to make a coalition with one of the two major parties and then yeah. that like is there a benefit to that or do you think it's an outdated system um i think there's a benefit um to that of course because um it comes from the basic idea okay we want to have 
more parties. We want to have this this pluralism, like this this system where you not only can choose between A or B, like it basically is with presidential elections in the United States. So, and I really mm -hmm. I really like that because often there are more perspectives and nuances, etc., that one party can represent. Um, or two parties. And the fact is, you need a government needs the majority in parliament to make decisions. Like there also are examples of um, federal states or <clears throat> that are ruined by a minority um, like government, but still basically you need a majority to have that. And I, and I also think, I'm not sure, I don't know if it will work good or not. I, I still don't know what to think actually about this situation that we're in and I don't, know what will come but um i think it can be it can be a benefit that um it's not only one party like reigning over um this huge like germany's not a huge country in terms of space but it's a, it's like the most important economy in europe etc cetera, etc cetera. um and i think it is a benefit that you not only have the yeah the perspectives and ideas of one party but of probably two or three parties within a government. But what I really think should be changed or where there should be certain rules is that I really, and especially many Germans, I guess, feel that way after the last election um, or after the 2017 election, um, that basically these parties can take as long as they want to form a new government. They don't have Because a deadline. Like by November 1st, you must have decided... I, I, yeah, and I, I, I don't want to put any date on that because I'm, I'm, I have absolutely no idea what, what would, what would, would be legitimate or anything. I don't know, but yeah, but still, I think, um, <clears throat> it, like that's probably a learning from this election. Like as we know now, okay, it will not happen anymore. That it is so easy to form a new government because it's not like okay, we can anticipate that. And predictions were pretty good this time, like before this election. Mm -hmm. Um. So, and it is not like okay. Predictions say us CDU will win like over forty percent. So they only need one partner, and most of the time, them and the FDP are pretty close to each other. And FDP surely will get like around ten percent. So done deal. That's going to be the new government. We know that this is not the situation anymore, and probably um will not will not be so soon again that you have these strong parties. And so I think. It's the party's job for the next elections, like to to anticipate more what what could it mean if um, if we potentially had had to work together with this or that party to be better prepared before the next process of building um, um, a government. And as far as I've heard, that has already been the case. Like I've heard. Um, one chairwoman of the of the Greens today saying on TV that um, like over the past um, period, like Greens and uh, FDP have talked a lot because they've learned from their mistakes the last time. Um, because the thing is, do you know about this uh, the scenario that happened last time in 2017? I don't think so. Okay, people have thought for a long time that it would that there would come a so-called Jamaica coalition. Um, Jamaica because of the colors, because of CDU, black, FDP, yellow, and green, green. Um, oh, so like black, J green, J J yellow. Jamaica. 
Like the flag, yeah. That's why oh, it's called yeah, ja- yeah. Jamaica Coalition. Oh, I got you. And everybody thought that would come in weeks and months. Um, they were discussing and trying to find compromises. And then at one point, suddenly, like the head of the FTP said, uh, no, we're out of this. And nobody <laughs> wanted a... G- and nobody won the Große Coalition, like CDU and SPD again. And it happened in the end. And I and we got to avoid stuff like this because that's the point I wanted to make. Sorry, I'm <laughs> talking so much. No, no, it's all good. Um, like, and we had talked about that last week in our, yeah. in our episode. Yeah. Like, the, the prog- there are big and humongous issues and problems where now is the time to take steps to prepare for um, and so we surely, like, the the reality doesn't give us the time to have these kind of debates for weeks and months and months and so on. Yeah. So, um, and I think, I hope that parties know that and are ready for it and know that it's super important to get a functional um, new government in in place pretty soon. Because one 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 thing I like I had a nightmare, I don't know why I dream these kind of things, <laughs> but that there is a new there's that there would be a new corona wave like coming. Well, that's that's a realistic uh dream. Yeah. Like like a like an evil one that really like imagine like last winter, like the the the, the worst month of the of the pandemic. Oh yeah. Um that something like this would come again. And I dreamt it was just a dream of mine. Um, and after the election now, like it's it's coming this autumn, and um, and the parties um, don't wanna be in charge for that that so that they just wait until they form a new government mm. after that corona wave. It was just a dream of mine, and I hope <laughs> this does not happen. But just to and then it came to a man again. Yeah, like there are so important. Um, problems and issues, climate change, COVID, and so on and so forth. Yeah, that need um action to be taken now. And so, um, yeah, that's something I think we should think about. Probably, if it doesn't work out this time, to probably have new rules for that you can't take forever to form a new government, and play games there, etc. Beautifully said, man. I think that's a good spot to wrap it up. No. Nice, dude. Thanks for all the but info. If you're as interested, always. because I really, I really enjoy this uh, from time to time, also talking about German politics, we can do this more often because it's interesting times and it is. also it, it's, it's, it's of the yeah, it's of the moment. I think it's it's good if we do bring it in, you know, um, more often because this is it's good. To, it's I'm, I know I'm learning something. I'm sure a lot of mm-hmm. listeners are learning because you seem really informed about it. So that's really. I think it's important and it's good times and things are changing here. So it's probably good to stay up to date. People who, uh, you know, people who live here who aren't as well versed in it as you are. It's good to learn from it. Nice, nice. nice. Yeah, I enjoyed. Cool, man. Great episode, man. This was really fun. We covered a yes, lot sir. of cool stuff. I'm excited to write the description for this. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, nice, buddy. All right, guys. Thank you so very much for listening. Please go ahead and follow Artsy Fartsy Immigrants on Instagram. And we have a YouTube channel up. We're going to try and get back into the video studio sooner than later. And otherwise, we love you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Look out, baby. The saints are coming through. 
Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5. Thank you.